Welcome back to the Science Networkers podcast. We're your hosts, Miranda Stan and Pooja Bhatti. Join us this week for the second part of our podcaster event episode. So I'm going to segue to a completely different question because I feel it's important. Um, both in terms of podcasting, but in your career as general, in general, um, did any of you have mentors that helped you get your podcast started? Or did you have mentors who may not have helped you with your podcast, but inspired you to create your podcast? So for example, I have a writing mentor um, that I go to regularly to talk about my psychom journalism. And he was the one who actually made the nudge being like, Miranda, you need to get off the page and to people. So start podcasting. Um, so maybe talk about your experiences with mentorship. It's a really good question. Um, my answer is going to be bad because it feels like my answer is going to be no. Um, there certainly are. I mean, we certainly are constantly in this process of like seeing what like the the best in the business is. Uh, for podcasts or, or videos or whatever we're trying to make and like trying to imitate those. And we often go through that sort of process. Um, I can't really think of any sort of mentor in the world of podcasting that I've had. It's always kind of been a matter of like, okay, let's just figure this out. Okay. I like the sound of radio lab. I like the sound of this American life. Like, okay, how do I go about doing that? And then, reading a lot of stuff online and just experimenting until something works or uh, giving up if it doesn't. <laughs> um, but I don't really think I've ever had a mentor in the world of podcasting. I hope there's some examples of people who do because that's uh, mentorship is an excellent and efficient way to, uh, to break into a world. Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I very strongly believe that you should never be the smartest person in a room. Um, I, really, really strongly believe in mentorship. It's been an incredibly important part of my own career, especially because I don't actually have a background, like a formal education in writing or science communication or podcasting. I've been really lucky um, in the organizations that I've worked to usually be working under someone who's really, really experienced can give me a lot of great uh, critical feedback and can help me become a better storyteller. Um, so that's kind of the thing is I think you always have to be like seeking out people who you look up to and who you feel you can learn from. I think it's sometimes as easy as asking people to uh, go for a coffee. That's actually how I met Lucas. Um, he was a judge at Science Slam Canada. And I was like, wow, like the work that he's doing is so cool. I'll ask him to go for a coffee. It's like, obviously we know each other now. And I'm really lucky that, you know, I do work with uh, Lucas and Jesse and they know so much about uh, video production and audio production that I learn. I'm learning so much. So I would just say like always work with people who are smarter or better than you in whatever area you're trying to um, actually like do better in. Yeah. Turn it over to Kevin now. That was a great answer, Nicole. Um, I'm also kind of struggling to find a mentor. Um, the one that came to mind really is um, my, my master's project PI. <laughs> Um, why is that? So she's, um, she's the vice dean at, of research at, in the faculty of medicine at the University of Ottawa. 
so she talks a lot in in meetings and in conferences about the the work she does for the lab. So if you ever go to a conference or if you present in front of the faculty, she will obliterate your presentation unless it has a good story. Um, the the story is the most important, or the story and delivery, I guess. So if you're um, if you're struggling to find the words um, to to say, like what I'm doing right now, actually, um, if you if your slides are complete crap, um, she will destroy you in front of the entire lab and have you uh, point out everything that you have to fix. Um, at the time, like I almost cried. Um, but I think it helped me develop my communication skills as to what they are now and why I got into communication and my interest in communication in general. Um, in terms of how I devise my podcast and the way the scripting kind of works, this is all based off of just people I follow on, on YouTube, for example. Like Veritasium is somebody I follow on YouTube, Derek Muller. Um, Vsauce, just how bizarre his videos are. Um, also, um, if you guys know Wisecrack, um, there's a guy named Michael who does a lot of videos, and the the way he scripts his his videos are kind of how I do my podcast. He he talks about um, just like something, some background thing in philosophy related to something in media, and then he has a quote about what that person did. Um, so that's kind of similar to how I script my podcast. So. Um, I guess he's he's sort of a mentor that I that I look to. Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Again, as well, I kind of like I don't have like none of my mentors know that they're my mentors, um, but there are a lot of people who I've been like listening to for a long time in podcasting uh, that have like pretty big influences on both how I see you know hosting a podcast, producing a podcast. Um, uh, people off the top of my head, like people like Roman Mars and Jada Boomrad, um, interviewers like Michael Barbaro, who I think does a great job on the daily of um, interviewing somebody in a way that gets all the key information out um, so that people who don't necessarily know a lot about the topic feel like he's a really good audience surrogate. But he also knows his, he knows his shit. He knows exactly what he's saying and he knows what the goal of these questions are. Um, and I, and I, I guess the best I think you can do if you don't necessarily have access to some of these people who I see as like sort of the gods of podcasting um, is observe what they do and, and, and not just copy, but try and understand why they make the choices they make and the effects that they have and, um, and pursue those in your own work. And then, uh, you know, another person who, this is maybe a bit of a weird one, but like I used to listen to Harmontown a lot and Dan Harmon, I think is a good example of someone who like hosts a podcast and he, I often feel like I don't like to put a lot of myself visibly in things I do because I'm afraid of like people seeing me. Um, I'm like a very like normally behind the camera kind of person. But um, listening to like Harmontown and Dan Harmon went through a lot of like personal shit in making that. And he screwed up a lot very publicly and he apologized for it and grew and learned as a person. Um, and it's been, you know, like I found that kind of inspiring um, as an example of, of like being less afraid of like failing publicly because you can see that some people can fail very publicly uh, and react in a way that is like adult and kind and, and, and just and good and responsible. And yeah, those are some, that's a bit of a tangent, but I feel like, yeah, those are some of my sort of mentors in the podcasting world.
that is some really great advice from everybody. And can I just say that for us, like you guys are our mentors <laughs> and we really look at the work you guys do uh, to kind of help shape the work that we do. So thank you all for being that. So before we jump into the next audience question, I feel next time we have to make a SciComm buzzword bingo. Um, because I feel like every time someone says science slam, we've yet to say Alan Shapiro, but now I just did, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that we need to make a bingo card and give out a prize to whoever hits it first. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Next event. We'll definitely do that. And if you're not sure who Alan Shapiro is, <laughs> he's somebody that really helped inspire the initiative of science networkers and he's also the co-founder of science on canada so great person to check out he does really great SciComm initiatives Pooja, could you give a brief one sentence pitch of what science slam is for some of our listeners today who might not know yeah sure so basically the whole point of science slam is to be able to communicate science in sort of a non-traditional way uh usually when people communicate science they have a what do you call it? A PowerPoint, as well say PDF with slides. And they're saying, this is my research. But you have no slides. You have no kind of visual. It's just you. It's your voice, maybe some props, trying to communicate science in an engaging way that's also scientifically accurate. So definite, that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, there is an event happening November 20th. So you can definitely check that out on social media if you kind of want to. Um, and I believe, Kevin, I believe you're going to participate in that. So if you want to see... Yeah, is it, <laughs> I'm not sure if... I guess it could be publicized now, but yeah, I got it. <laughs> I will be presenting at that. Yay! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so someone that everybody will know will be there. So, yeah, that's Sign Slam, and that's why it comes up a lot, because that is a Canadian SciComm initiative. So uh, a sort of theme that's been kind of around here and something that we really love in HR, even though I personally don't love it, is networking. So I hate networking, but we know that it's really important. And I'm wondering, so there, you guys have kind of glazed over it in some of your other answers, but to kind of go into more detail, how important is networking in the SciComm community? And do you have any tips for how people can network, uh, in the, especially now that it's COVID, which has really kind of messed everything up in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important, um, particularly uh, as the co-owner of a business that completely relies on people hiring us uh, for uh, both Jesse and I and our staff to eat. Um, networking is very important. Um, so I don't like networking also, um, like networking events are kind of my nightmare. Um, but I find the best way to do it, particularly in the digital space, is to make the sort of thing that you want to be making. So identify like what uh, you want to make. If you want to make a podcast uh, of a certain topic or of a certain style or for a certain organization, um, just kind of make it. Um, and then I find that people notice it um, and people will... Uh, at least, I mean, Jesse probably has more thoughts on this, but like a lot of the people that hire us come to us and say, we saw this thing that you've already made. Uh, can you make something like that for us? Um, and I think that goes the same for podcasting for sure. Yeah, that's, that's my tip on networking. 
Yeah. Um, so I kind of had a bit of a love-hate relationship with networking. When I was a mining engineer and didn't really enjoy my job, I hated networking. But now that I'm in science communication, I actually love it because you're meeting people with the same passion who can you know, teach you things or introduce you to other different cool things within the space. So um, I think, yeah, you can just join a lot of stuff. Like it's great for everyone who's on the um, event today, like this virtual event. I like to attend lots of virtual events myself, um, conferences too. There's the Science Writers and Communicators Conference of Canada. That is, yeah, uh, on every year. I think it was virtual this year, right? And it's uh, really great. I went in person, I guess, a couple years ago, and I met so many awesome people there that I actually ended up interviewing later for like blogs and stuff that I was doing. Um, I think joining any relevant like organizations, like, okay, I don't want to bingo this, but like Science Slam, obviously that when I moved to Vancouver, it was the very first thing I signed up for. And it actually introduced me to so many people within science communication in Vancouver. And the thing is like, it's a small community too. So once you kind of know someone, then you, you really start to get to know other people. And that's actually how a lot of freelance work will like end up coming my way is just from people referring me out to other people. And then, you know, going on to what Lucas said, once you actually produce something that's within sort of that realm, like for me, the geoscience realm, um, and people see it or they read it, then you start getting a lot of inquiries like, oh, can you do something similar for me? I heard this and I really liked it. Like, I'd want something similar for my company, yada, yada, yada. So once you get that portfolio, um, the networking kind of trickles out itself, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing I'm like, I really love to do is just ask people to go for coffee or just virtual coffees now with COVID. Um, I've never had anyone say no when I've reached out on LinkedIn and been like, Hey, like, I really love your stuff. You know, would you mind giving me some tips? I did that a lot when I uh, was first starting out my career and you meet a lot of great people that way. So I would yeah, just encourage everyone to do that. If there's someone you really want to talk to, just try to talk to them and they probably won't say no. And Kevin. Yeah, I would say like every boss I've ever had has said networking is like, like number one, number two key skills that you need to have um, in terms of, I guess, podcasting or getting your content out in the digital realm. Again, super important um, to network with people that do similar things. Like even right now, I feel like I'm networking with um, Lucas, Jesse and Nicole um, and talking to them about what they do. So that's super cool. Um, and networking with you guys, if you guys, you know, contact me or contact the other panelists, contact the hosts of this panel, um, you're already taking a nice step into what you, uh, I assume want to do. So yeah, networking again, super, very important. Um, and also has a benefit of, you can bounce ideas with them. Um, if you, if you don't really have the, the concrete idea you have for a podcast yet, um, get their, get their feedback on it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all I have to say, <laughs> Jesse. Um, yeah, uh, networking is not something I would consider to be one of my strong suits. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do have some insight into it that I think is maybe worth thinking about, which is that we often use the word networking and it's kind of just a blanket word, but there's, I feel like three categories of networking that are kind of built into that. Um, and it's worth considering what you're actually trying to do. Um, are you looking for mentors? Are you looking for collaborators? Or are you looking for people to hire you? Because those are all those are all subject to networking, and they're all subject to very different kinds of networking. Um, you can do a great job of 
showing stuff you've made to people who are going to eventually send work your way, which is awesome. But then you're liable to be in a position where you could end up with enough work that you can't do it all on your own. And if you haven't been also networking with your peers and potential collaborators, um, you're going to have a hard time actually scaling up and doing that work that you need to do at the same time, you know, as Nicole mentioned, even just taking people out for coffee, talking to them, um, people who inspire you or you, or you like the work of, um, that's kind of more looking for generally mentors. People can turn into collaborators too. That happens all the time, but those three things are kind of separate. Um, an example I can think of is like Lucas and I do a lot of film related stuff. I, in my time at like when I was doing film school and I was a lot more in the like film world in Vancouver, I have like a pretty decent network of filmmaking folks here in Vancouver. And that's an incredibly useful network for what we do that we never would have connected with and gotten into had, had I not been doing filmmaking here in Vancouver first, but that's been hugely useful for us in the SciComm world. And we might not have thought, Oh, Hey, let's go to like the indie filmmaking networking events in Vancouver. Um, yeah, so uh, there are there may be, I guess, to sum up, think about who you're actually trying to seek out people that you might want to be networking with and think about maybe tangential areas and networks that you could connect with that may really help you with whatever your your goal is of those three goals. Thank yeah. you, Jesse. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I was I was going to say that those that from everybody those are fantastic insights. And what I will say is that everybody here and like the panelists uh Miranda and myself, as well as everybody in tech, we all have a LinkedIn, we all have a Twitter, uh, I just put Science Networkers Twitter there, and that's how you can find all of us. Uh, like a lot of us have mentioned, we are great people to network with. If you enjoyed what you are seeing in this event, and you want to know more, everyone, everyone's really nice. And, you know, I'm sure if you send us a message and want to get some information, no one's going to say no. Uh, so definitely reach out to us if you want to network with somebody and you know it's definitely nerve-wracking this is my career and I hate it but so if you want a safe space we're great people to start with so I put our Twitter there and that's a great way that you can find a lot of us and uh, take advantage of that. I love networking um, I'm a serial networker and then I do a job that is focused around networking and bringing companies and scientists and people together. So if you message me on LinkedIn, like we can be online buds. I, I will talk to anyone. And what I've learned about networking is people never say no to talking about themselves. Like people love to brag and they're always going to love to brag. So if you message someone and be like, I love your work. Do you want to talk about it? 99% chance they'll say yes. Because people just love to talk about themselves. They love to share their passions. I'll drop my LinkedIn into the chat. I do know, like, I use LinkedIn quite a lot. I have a lot of followers. So with LinkedIn specifically, you're going to really want to send a personal message to someone because some people are just inundated with requests. Like when I was working in recruitment, I could receive up to a thousand connection requests a day. So you really want to personalize those messages and grab someone's attention, but people love to talk about themselves. So where do you go to bounce ideas off of, whether it's starting a new podcast or coming up with your next episode inspiration? Um, usually I go to Jesse uh, because uh, we are so used to bouncing ideas off each other and 
um, telling each other that it uh, is either a great idea or a terrible idea um, with brutal honesty. Um, that's probably the most common. Um, like, yeah, just friends and family, th that's dangerous. Like there's, there should be a disclaimer there that when you bounce ideas off friends and family, you don't always get honest responses. Um, but yeah, that people on Twitter, uh, just tweet out ideas and see if people like them or not. Um, if ideas don't get traction on Twitter, maybe there's, I mean, maybe there is clearly an audience somewhere, but maybe that's not the audience for it. Um, yeah, just whoever will listen to me is who I bounce ideas off of. Nicole? All right, Lucas, can oh, I just yeah. say that's so funny that you say that maybe not family because maybe they won't be honest. I come from yeah. a family that's way too honest. <laughs> so that sometimes I don't bounce ideas off of them because I'll be like, that's bad. No, you right. shouldn't do that. I'll be like, right. shut up. I think it's cool. But I mean, I, I, th I think <laughs> the important thing to like recognize there is like, is that family member in the like group of people you target for the thing? Uh, I mean, like, figuring out who your audience is for a project is one of the most important questions you can ask. And if your audience, if, if the answer to that question is everyone, this is a project for everyone that no, you haven't, you haven't actually gone through the work of figuring out the answer to that question. That's very true. Okay, Nicole, turn it to you. Yeah, so I think um, for myself, like because I, my background's in geoscience and I've mostly worked in geoscience companies, I do have a fairly large network of just people within geoscience. And so like when we were coming up with ideas for our discovery to recovery, um, you know, I would go to conferences and stuff and kind of like field uh, what could be cool. And then I would actually go to people who are within the target audience that we were trying to hit. And I would say, okay, like I learned this thing today. Is this interesting to you? Have you heard about it before? Is this something that's well known within geology and mining or is this a really new innovation? So I think, um, yeah, like one bouncing uh, stuff off of people who are within your target um, audience is really important. Then the other thing I like to do is like, I have, as I said before, writing mentors, um, et cetera. And so I'll, you know, create something. And when I actually, uh, created my very first podcast, I'm actually really lucky. I have a friend who used to work in BBC radio broadcasting. And so when I put together my very first, uh, podcast, I like actually sat down with her and we went through everything sort of line by line. And she said, okay, this doesn't work. This is a best practice. You need to include this. You need a better audio link here, that kind of stuff. So I think um, if you can find someone who, like I said, is smarter than you or uh, better than you at what you're trying to do, um, just see if they'll put aside some time to actually walk you through some stuff and give you some feedback. I think the feedback is really, really important to creating a great end product. The, the family comments kind of funny because for me, if I if I were to tell my family uh, an idea for an episode, they would just say, "Oh, that's great," and then <laughs> no constructive feedback whatsoever, um, which is still good. Um, in terms of like bouncing off ideas, um, unfortunately, I just kind of do whatever it is that I find interesting. Um, the reason why I did this podcast is to kind of learn learn things, um, learn about the origins of expressions, learn about communication. Uh, learn about what's new in SciComm, um, so those sorts of aspects. There's certain topics that I that I think about regarding the science communication aspect. Um, it's just from articles that I read um, in the news. Um, if I find an article that's interesting, I go a little bit more into detail about um, the research behind the article and summarize it for my audience. And if I ever don't have an idea and I'm trying to think about what 
I could talk about. Um, I often think about what sort of workshops that graduate students in my program um, really re requested um, from our faculty in terms of um, delivering science um, presentations, uh, writing scientific papers, um, peer review, um, understanding statistics. Um, so all those episodes just came from requests that graduate students in my faculty wanted. And it works for me so far, but uh, hopefully I can, I'll probably devise some sort of way to bounce ideas off. So for example, this new season, um, I'm thinking about having an interview for every episode. And with that, I'll, there's, sorry, that was my cat. Uh, <laughs> for, in terms of ideas, I can bounce off ideas of many of the different experts that I'll, that I'll be interviewing. Um, there's going to be more than one person that I could interview for and I could just bounce ideas off them. So, um, yeah, there's no real, I don't have a method for uh, bouncing ideas off, but it's so far I've worked. Jesse? Um, my ideas go through four phases. Um, phase one is thinking about it in the shower. Phase two is running it by Lucas and us jamming on it. Phase three is stress testing it with my dad. And phase four is making it. Uh, and any idea can be killed at any of the above phases. Um, and it frequently is. I would say <laughs> the jamming on it with Lucas is the most biggest meat grinder for my ideas. <laughs> a lot of, I do have a lot of ideas I throw to him. And I'd say I have like a 10% success rate at getting them through that phase. But um, yeah, that's kind of what that's... You just find a couple people that you like really that can give you the kind of feedback that's actually helpful for you is huge because everyone is a critic and ev most of those people in the everyone category are bad at being your critic. Yeah, you have to find good critics for you. Um, and yeah, that's what I've done. And it's mostly worked very well so far. We have the opposite problem, Pooja. I come to you with an idea and you're like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like five things running at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess find a way to keep your ideas organized because we have way too many. And, um, you know, I really love this question that just came in. Um, do you get nervous before a project or episode? And how do you deal with that nervousness? To be honest, um, I certainly have a background in doing a lot of like theater and performance stuff. Um, and I definitely did get nervous there. Um, this is not really an area where I get nervous in. The one case where it does happen is if I'm in a situation where we're like screening something that we've made and there's an audience there and I hear the reaction live, that is nerve wracking. Um, and that's happened with a couple of the films we've made. Um, it's, I've never been in a situation where I've listened. Oh no, I have like with friends in the car when they're like, oh, let's listen to your podcast. And I'm like, no, that's a horrible idea. That's absolutely the worst thing we could possibly do. Um, that's nervous. That's nerve wracking. Um, not a lot of nervousness, whole lot of anxiety. Uh, that's, I feel different around like getting projects done on time and on budget um, and like making sure things come together in the right way. That's hugely anxiety provoking. But in my opinion, that's like, I, I kind of consider that different than like nervousness before something comes out. Nicole. Yeah, so I would say I'm almost the exact opposite of Lucas. Um, I definitely did not take any theater or performance 
anything when I was younger. That was actually like my worst nightmare. And so I actually found the transition into podcasting kind of difficult just because a, I didn't feel like I had any idea what I was doing when it came to sound design or like even doing the interviews and making sure the audio came out. Okay. And then actually the process of interviewing people and making sure that you're keeping things on track, you're asking the right questions and you're actually getting the content you need for your podcast. Um, what I will say, what I do to kind of help with my, um, nervousness or anxiety for me, they're kind of the same thing. Um, I try to, if I can like get to know the person a little bit ahead of time, whether that's just like a 10 minute brief, uh, phone call or Skype chat, just to say, this is what we're doing. Like, do you have any questions? And you can kind of create that initial rapport with people. I think that initial report can help um, both with the person you're interviewing if they're nervous. And then also with your own nerves, if you just, um, kind of get to know each other a little bit before you actually go into the interview. I do find that I like, I like having video on an interview. Um, it's not always possible, but if you can somehow get a video component, I find body language helps a lot with um, understanding how people are reacting and making sure that you're kind of um, asking the right questions and doing the right things. And I, I don't know, maybe don't laugh at me for this, but uh, I also do Superman poses before like any interviews actually before this panel, five minutes before the panel, I was like, okay, Superman pose. I'm going to tell myself some empowering messages and like, I'm ready for this. So I just like, just find whatever works for you. I think it's really um, normal to be nervous, especially if it's not something you've gone into before that you're familiar with, but I will say it does get a lot easier with time. And, you know, now that I've done, I don't know, over 50, 60, however many interviews. I, I don't really get nervous anymore. Um, I just do a lot of preparation beforehand. I like to make sure I know the subject matter. I know the person I'm interviewing. I know their background and I can ask intelligent questions. And that makes me always feel a lot better. So yeah, that's what I do. Um, well, was the Superman pose a reference like year of yes? Um, I don't actually know where it came from. I remember it was like going around in the internet. Right. Yeah. And it's like, just like, yeah, like go like this or like, go like this and just like say nice things about yourself. <laughs> so it does help. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, that, that reference comes from Grey's Anatomy, but particularly a book written by the founder of the show and her secret to success was the Superman pose. So definitely recommend. I did it before my thesis and passed with no revision. So I swear by it. Kevin is next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, sorry. Sorry. I, I guess that's me. That's funny you mentioned that because I don't know if you've read this book, Nicole. Oh, it's backwards, but it's the I have uh, not. the definitive book of body language. So they they mentioned that and other power stances is what they call them. Um, basically, if you have if you're about to encounter something that has high nervousness, high anxiety, you do these certain stances and it like fixes that right up. So uh, the Superman pose was was one of them, and any sort of open poses will kind of reduce that level of nervousness, uh, especially for job interviews. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> I forget. How do you deal with anxiety? Anxiety, right, yes. right. So nervousness, uh, I would say no. Uh, I, I'm not nervous for a podcast, but podcast episode, but mainly because I don't, it's, it's all me, mainly. Um, I, I, I did interview a couple of people for my latest season. Um, so in my new season, I'll be interviewing a lot more people. So that might change. Um, but in terms of what sort of negative things that I feel when I do an episode. So a piece of advice that I would give is that perfectionism is something that you might encounter at the beginning. So I would listen to, well, I think like 
10 to 15% of all my listens are me just listening to every episode like five times, seeing if I made any mistakes or if I edited it properly. Um, and just know that you'll always be your hardest critic. So um, just be aware of that. And also just stop stop comparing yourself to people. So I, I know that a lot of, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people I've met through um, LinkedIn or Twitter who also run podcasts. Um, and they post like how successful their podcasts have become. Um, you, you'll go down a, a very, a very <laughs> steep slope after you, you continue comparing yourself to people. Um, just know that you're doing this for yourself. Uh, if you want to be a career, if you want it to be a career, if you want to monetize uh, off of this, this hobby that it will begin as, um, just, just be aware that just, just don't compare yourself to people. Do it for yourself. Um, and if it comes from a place like that, you'll, you'll succeed. Uh, Jesse? I feel like I'm at the always at the end of the group and everyone says things better than I can say it. Um, I get a bit nervous sometimes before stuff, but I've been doing this long enough now to know that I, generally I should just trust myself. And if I am honest with myself and that I've spent enough time with the material that I know it well, um, which sometimes I'm not honest about with myself, but if I am and I've done that and I've put in the time, uh, I know that I can kind of I, I can ride through whatever stuff, you know, happens um, sort of like I just did with that sentence. So yeah, that's, that's basically it. I think, I do think perfect is the enemy of good. Um, I need to be reminded of that constantly, usually by Lucas. Um, but yeah, just like get to know yourself well enough that you know what your strengths and limitations are and trust yourself within that framework. I think these are also just some really great tips, like in general, when you're nervous, you know, like trust yourself, use positive affirmation. I was writing in the chat that I watched Girls Trip and they were like, I am smart. I am beautiful. I am powerful. Yeah, I do that. I do that before interviews. I do that before events. And I'm like, you know what? You're you're a badass, Pooja. You can do this. And I mean, it works, at least if I mess up. I'm like, you know what? But I'm still a badass, though. So. You are a badass. <laughs> and I agree with that sentiment. I've always, I guess, centered around this mantra that the future is forgiven so I can make any mistake because nothing is permanent. It always floors me how fast these go by. We have popped over our time limit. So Pooja, should we wrap it up for the day and tell people how they can stay engaged and keep the conversation going? Yeah, so... Thank you, everybody, for joining in. Thank you so much to our tech for helping and, of course, to our phenomenal panelists. It was so cool. To, Miranda and myself were also trying to figure this out. So it was really, really great to hear uh, from you all from your experience and to kind of see how you do your jobs. So round of applause for everybody. Um, I had shared in the chat earlier everyone's contact, but I am just going to reshare. So this is everyone's Twitter accounts. It's everyone's LinkedIn. So all of you are going to get that notification that Pooja just viewed your profile. So <laughs> all that awkwardness. But um, definitely connect with us. And thank you so much. I hope everyone is staying safe during this time. And uh, look out for each other and we we hope to get connected with everybody so thank you for everyone that stayed the entire time and unfortunately because of the holidays and mental health is important we're going to be taking a bit of a break but we're coming back in the new year with a super exciting panel gearing up for 
the like international month of women in February, where we're going to be featuring a completely female, very EDI focused SciComm panel with some amazing women from stem cell through to exhibit designers. So we're super excited. We have some great partner organizations jumping in, Wiser from UAlberta, as well as my own women's networking group. So it's going to be a fantastic panel, whether you're a guy or a woman, or you just want to support people around you. So have a fantastic holiday season, whichever holidays you choose to observe or choose not to. And we're super excited to see you in January. Pooja, can you drop our socials in the chat? Already did. <laughs>